All right. Welcome, everyone, to 2024 The Unlimited Show. We have a very special guest with us tonight, Mary Rodwell. She's founder of ACERN, the Australian uh, Contact Network, and also uh, the free... Uh, hold on one second. We have an echo here. And also the free. All right, there we go. So yeah, so so she's also a co-founder with uh, Ray Hernandez, who we've interviewed here on the show of the Free Network. Uh, so these are major academic, on the one hand, academic research projects that have spanned many, many countries, many, many um, pieces of research to kind of pull together a story. And Mary's work with ACERN has been to support people, families, children who've made contact, make sense of their lives. Um, over the last many decades, when Mary, we were just talking in the uh, Zoom room prior, that it hasn't always been easy. Um, I wanted to first ask you, how many people do you think have had contact experiences? Well, that's a very interesting one. Um, I thought when I started out in, you know, 1996, I think it was, um, I thought it was very rare. I thought the first few people that contacted me, it was going to be, you know, it's very unusual um, and fascinating. And, you know, I didn't ever in my wildest dream expect that I would meet and work with so many. I think it's three, three and a half thousand plus now, probably. My feeling now is that this is far more of a global event, a global raising of consciousness. And many people across the cultures are having contact experiences, but may interpret it differently, given their beliefs, their culture, their, their religion or whatever, and not always realize what, what is going on other than it's a bit weird or it's, it's paranormal or it's, they mix it in with spirits and you know, uh, a whole range of things they may believe it is until the penny finally drops. And, and I've met many intuitives, mediums, clairvoyants that have taken them maybe 30 years to work out that some of the connections they've had have not been what they believed they were, but actually were non-human intelligences. So it's a long answer to really saying to you that I believe this is much more commonplace than people realize and is affecting many, many, not just millions, but I think billions across the planet. Wow. Yeah. You know, the other day I, I associate owls with ET contact and I woke up, I was feeling very sick. Um, so I woke up, I had a very, very vivid dream in my mind. Then I heard the owls uh, and then my lights went off and on in my room for a half an hour. And it was, it's so cool the way contact shows up and it can show up in so many ways, but they're right here. Um, do you believe that they're also in a dimension overlapping ours, or do you believe that they just come into our dimension from another, or <laughs> how do you see it? Well, the way that I look at it, there are some that can move through dimensions that are interdimensional. I believe there's extra dimensional, there's transdimensional, there's beings from our future, as well as those that come in and are able to make themselves visible to us. And some that I think are physical as well. So I think it's all in the package. What we've done as human beings generally is we isolate our experiences into a particular format or package and think that's 
what it all is when in fact it's all together and it's about us realizing it's this it is all um part of this dimensional awareness that we're coming to understand ourselves because we go we you know we go and as souls we we travel at night out of body and we're going and we're able to go through dimensions when we do that so in essence i think it's part of what um human experience is as well what do you think happens to us when we're asleep that's been something that i've been really wondering (laughs) very much this year already well, I do think that in dreams, sometimes all that is, is processing. But if you've had a dream that stayed with you for more than, you know, a few hours or a few and certainly weeks or months, then usually that means something more profound. Often people say, I had a dream when I was on a spacecraft or whatever. And I'll say to them, well, when was that dream? And they'll say, oh, when I was five years old or when I was 14 or whenever. And I, and I said, and you still remember it and the details of it, that's not a dream because what happens when we go out of body, obviously it can feel like a dream because we're in a, a, an altered state, but actually it's not. It's it's a memory from something you've experienced. I believe we can go interdimensionally. Um, we can go into other universes. And there are many people that do this consciously now. And we hear about people consciously astral traveling. And what one of the surveys that was very profound for the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation was in terms of contact, out of the 4,200 people surveyed, we discovered that 75% of contact is out of body, not physical. Only 25% is physical. And that is why the nuts and bolts ufologists generally struggle because you know, it makes it too esoteric for them. It makes it, it means they're going to have to go beyond the boundaries of the 3D physical reality to understand that this is a multidimensional experience. Yeah, and we know that we're not our bodies. So it would make sense that we can experience things as our soul without our without our bodies. Um, now, do you believe that there's some sort of a progression where the ETs will say, okay, we're going to start with this. <laughs> can, can they handle it? Then I'm going to do, we're going to do this. And then, it, you know, then we're going to let you remember, and then we're going to do this. Do you feel that they do, or have you noticed in the interviews of the patterns that there's a progression? And if so, what does that look like? It's a good question, because what many of those that come to me, even if they're in their 30s, 40s or 50s, will say to me, um, I've had this experience, but I've never really gone into it until now. I've not been ready to go into it um, till now. And many of them have discovered that they've had experiences right from a small child. And they'll remember something happening that was unusual at two or three years old. And it's gone through their lives, but they've not reached a point until maybe, you know, this present time where they'll say, I've really got to start finding out about this now. I've really got to, even though they've had missing time, they've had strange, they've had sightings, they may have marks on their body, they may find they have downloads of information, but there'll be something that pushes them to actually finally get some answers or whatever. I think there is um, part of a protocol which is them being assessed perhaps by whoever it is contacting them to where they're at in terms of their readiness to accept their multidimensional 
connection to these beings and to their part in it. And it's probably also part of the soul agenda, the soul that's decided that at a certain point, because my work, working with people with past lives and in between lives, often they talk about planning their next life and who they're going to have as parents, you know, um, the children, the siblings and whatever as part of their soul growth. And part of this will be the soul connection to when will I wake up? to the fact that I'm having contact with these non-human intelligences that may very well be part of their soul um, family or may very well be their star family. They finally, I'll say to some people, do you get a sense of feeling of connection to any other star system, for example? Do, do you often feel that you're not from here, you know, that you don't belong or whatever? And that resonates with so many. And someone will say, I've got this real pull towards the Pleiades or this real pull to Arcturus, which is an indicator that your multidimensional self is saying that resonates, even though they may be reluctant to actually say it because they don't want to sound too weird. Yeah, so you can you describe the process for everybody about how you do your hypnosis and what is revealed in that situation? Is it that they are connecting to their soul? Are they connecting to their subconscious? How are these memories surfaced? It's an interesting um, question, and thank you for that. The understanding is that the the to first of all, let me explain that your 3D self, your analytical, you know, left brain side of you is analyzing, is working out what is real and what's not real in terms of 3D. But our multidimensional subconscious, if you like, records indiscriminately the experiences that you have. It doesn't edit anything. It just records. It's only our 3D that comes in, our three left brain self that comes in and edits what they, what we think is not tangible or not real or whatever what you're doing when you take somebody into an altered state and it doesn't have to be very deep either people think they need to be somnambulistic in other words unconscious to recall stuff. So not not in the least it just means we're, we're what we're doing is shutting down left brain so that right brain has free access to the subconscious superconscious which i call it also the higher self uh, aspect of you and it's recalling the tape of that experience without editing and that's the important thing is that it doesn't edit unless you bring your left brain in and it wants to edit and cut it, cut it up and make it tangible and real and whatever. So what you're doing is giving the subconscious, superconscious access um, to that part of them that's recorded that experience. And so you're telling that part of them you want the origin of that experience. You want to explore it more. And if the person is relaxed enough and not fearful, because if they're fearful, they'll block it. Um, if they don't trust you, they'll block it. They need to be relaxed enough to give it space to allow it to unfold. And as I say, don't judge it. Let it come through. You can pull it apart as much as you like afterwards. But while you're in it, go with everything that comes to you. And there's a very big difference between imagination, because that's what everybody is. How do I know this is not my imagination? I said it's a very, very simple way to know. For example, we all know what our bedroom looks like in our mind's eye. We right away, we know where the bed is, where the door is, where the window is, because it's a reality. It's it's part of your 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 you know 3D reality. If I said to you, create a bedroom, you'd need to think, 
well, how big would it be? Where would the window be? Where would the door be? What color would the walls be? Would I have curtains? It's a completely different process. When you take somebody into hypnosis, you're asking them, what do you see? What happens next? You're not giving them any clues other than to literally say what they're seeing or what they're experiencing or what happens next. So you're not leading them. You're not telling them what to think. All you're doing is giving them a chance to explore from the experience that they had where they may have looked at a UFO and said, oh, it was very, it was very big and it, it seemed very close, then I don't remember anything. Well, often it's not, there has been something that's happened. So then you take them to what, what happens next. In hypnosis, they will maybe allow that subconscious to give them the information. And if they're relaxed enough and they trust you enough and they're ready, they're gonna be ready, then they will then start to say, well, I'm seeing this. And, um, and then I'll say, well, what happened next? What can you see? What can you feel? What can you hear? But you're not allowing the imagination to fill that in because there's no clues for the imagination. It's actually, what are you seeing? And that, you know, has integrity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so before we get into the star seeds and the indigo children and the rainbow children, I have a couple follow-up questions on the things you were talking about. Um, the first of which is how much time do people spend in the in-between planning stages, the in-between lives? And tell us a little bit more about how that works. Well, there's some wonderful work um, about, you know, um, in-between lives. Dr. Michael Newton wrote um, several books on Destiny of Souls was one of them. And Journey, Journey of Souls was another one. There are many now that work in the similar way with the Newton Institute. I did it primarily because I was going into the origin often of phobias or other experiences in past lives and taking them through the death sequence actually demystifies it. And it allows them to see that their soul does continue. And one of the fascinating things with that was when they'll say, well, I can see my body, but I'm no longer there. I'm in this beautiful place. And they often feel a spiritual entity with them. They will, and I will say to them, well, what did you learn in that life? And they, if they've starved, they may say, I learned about limits or I learned about compassion or I learned, I didn't do that very, do very well with this. So they're looking at their own experience and what they gained and where they feel they still needed to grow as a soul or whatever. Often they will be met by their soul family. And that may, uh, I, when I worked with a young Young, um, young man of 15, what he, he said was his wife in that life had come to meet him and was taken to this beautiful place. But he was also told to come back into this reality afterwards. So his guide was saying, you've, you've learned enough. Now you come back. But often they will go into and find out who's their soul family. And when you can take somebody into a past life, one of the things I used to find was very useful was to get them to sit, they, if they were in a family, for example, and say, okay, so who's in your family in this life? And then they would say, oh, you know, I've got two brothers and a sister and a mum and a dad. And I would get them to look into the eyes of each person in that, in that on that table and say, who do they remind you of? And then they would go, oh, my brother in this life was my mum in that life. And they would recognise the soul energy in essence and realise that they they're in a soul family that reincarnates together in different roles, which I find was absolutely fascinating, although other soul families will interact with them as well. So it shows a kind of continuity 
and a kind of tribe, a family tribe, if you like, as well, but also gives them an understanding that they're in charge of their new human adventure because they will talk about who they would pick for their parents, who they would pick for their siblings, what kind of challenges they wanted in this life, what kind of things did they want to learn and grow from. And so this takes people right out of victim mode because <laughs> they realize <laughs> that the orchestrator and the, cre the creator of their reality is themselves. Um, and that could be a bit of a shock to the system, you know, is uh, did I really want to experience that? Well, it looks like it, doesn't it? So the choice, the way I look at it, the choice is we have when they say, you know, free will, the free will is really your attitude to your experiences. Do you want to be a victim or do you want actually to see the growth and the, the opportunity that that experience offers you? So that's how I've come to understand it. Now, others may have different thoughts on that, but that's how, you know, it is for my understanding. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Uh it's it's so empowering to to reach that point where you take responsibility for everything and everybody in your reality. And do you, you learn to have that compassion? And you know, you're talking about astral traveling, and we do that a lot in, in LightNet. And you're right, like feeling safe, like we all are right now tonight together, is such a way to access your abilities because fear does block it, like, like you said. So my next question is, um, do you think that we're all ETs um, having a human experience or is it just some of us? Like once, once we, um, you know, uh, pass over and, and go up, are, is everyone an ET up there in your opinion? Or are we humans and some of us are ETs up there? The only thing that I can say is from my present understanding, obviously that could change as soon as I learn something new. I think we've been almost everything you can imagine. And that's not just um, maybe extraterrestrial star beings, creator beings, different, you know, um, it, we could be manta. I remember an eight, you know, the eight year old telling me that he was a, a manta, a mantis being and his ancestors were mantis. I think as, as souls, we've chosen many forms to experience right across the board dimensionally, whether it's been incarnating from a, a, an origin, a star origin into human. There may be some that have started out as their first you know, soul incarnation as human and haven't yet branched out into other realities and whatever. But I think we've been probably everything we can imagine. I remember a nine-year-old explaining that he'd been there at the time of the dinosaurs as a human, but also he'd remembered being a rabbit or a hare, one of these, you know, bigger, bigger rabbits, and he'd remembered that. Others have, have had memories of being plants, um, birds, a whole range of different things. So I think as a soul, we can we can be almost anything that we that is made up of the same material that sent is sentient. And the, the interesting thing for me is when I remember, it was a graphic artist, a young man um, that I met many years ago was seeing himself as an ET. And he said, I'm moving something big from one dimension to the other. And he said, it's a planet and I've messed it up. We've messed up its energy and now we have to put the energy right again. So we can even do that. We can even move planetary bodies from one dimension to another. So I think anything we can imagine and way beyond what we can imagine probably is the properties of what a soul can do. 
Yeah, you know, here at LightNet, we like we love to do thought experiments and kind of think about things in different ways. And Adam said the other day, what if we're all ETs and this was a big peace experiment? And we did, and we all decided to take on like human, you know, because you think of ETs as being so different, you know, like you got a mantis, blue person, small person, gray person. <laughs> What if we all just came down here to try to see if we could get along if we looked alike? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. We don't know. So let's let's shift our focus to these children that you've spent your life understanding and being a listening voice to and um, a therapeutic voice and a loving voice. Uh, What can you tell us about the Indigo children uh, and your your understanding of of who they are and where they are and and how they are. Well, the indigos, crystal, rainbow children, children of light. There's many names being given and many labels given to these new generations of human that have been coming in for, you know, I reckon at least a hundred years or more potentially. We're talking about their energy. We're talking about their aura when we say the indigos and what have you. And they come in with different agendas. The indigos generally are warriors. They are coming to challenge the system. So, you know, they're the ones that rattle the cage of the 3D reality and what have you in many, many ways. There's some some coming in as healers. There's some coming in as energy workers. There's some coming in to... Um, be part of this creation of the, you know, the new world or new earth, for example. So it's often that the frequency of what their mission is, is whether they're called crystals or or whatever. One of the things that for me was wanting to look at this from a very much more um, 3D pragmatic side, because we, I know there are many professionals out there that are open-minded enough to start exploring this if you can bring them into what we understand from our very you know, logical side of ourselves. And what I was noticing, first of all, that those with ET contact, it was an intergenerational thing that there was the primary thing with them, that if they were having experiences, either mother the mother or father was having experiences or the grandparents were having experiences it was coming down the genetic line sometimes it was both sometimes it might be just down the the, the familiar line or it might be the maternal line so if it was intergenerational then what about the children and what was fascinating to me before i connected a few of the dots and before i wrote the new human was they would be saying to and my son are having experiences and whatever. And my son has issues with, he's, he's diagnosed as ADHD or he's diagnosed with autism or whatever. And what I was thinking of was, okay, what I'm seeing is generally people with contact, they're more awake, more aware, they're more intuitive, they're more tapped into their multidimensional cells. What is going on here? Unless... This is something that is telling me something about what is happening. And what was very clear to me, and I've talked to many that have been given that diagnosis. And one of them was a lovely gentleman in Hong Kong called Neil Gore and hit gold. And he had um, written a book, Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. And what he was saying was that right from a small child, he had seen reality multidimensionally 
more than anybody else could see it. And he didn't know why that was the case. Um, and he said, you know, I was having contact with the light beings and whatever. And he re re relabeled the ADHD title as always dialed into higher dimensions. And for me, there was the clue, the clue that what, what would the, the star beings want for us? We know that we're being programmed right from birth into a very limited and limiting 3D reality. And that's education, science, religion, all of them are programming us to think a certain way. What happens with ADHD, they're much harder to program. What a great idea. If you want more awake souls on the planet, how do you prevent them from being reprogrammed into the old system? You make it harder to program them. So then we get the autistic at the spectrum, you know, dyslexia and what have you. All of those make it harder to program them back into the old system. And to me, I saw that as one of the ways that this was being orchestrated to upgrade humanity was to limit the, uh, the inaccurate programming that was going on. And what better way to do it to create these differences and that and so the labels really to me are in 3D are very, very um, trying to suggest it's dysfunctional. Well, it is dysfunctional in a 3D reality, but actually in a multi-dimensional one, they're far more functional than the average that's been programmed. So from that, I built on that, and I had many people, such as Dr. Lena Olson, the molecular biologist who was had her whole family with these different labels and what have you, and she found ways of stabilizing certain um, attributes to this, like ADHD, and she was talking about them needing more choline, more certain minerals and what have you. And in my book, The New Human, I look at the ways to assist these new humans that are manifesting these different attributes so that they can operate healthily on this planet without being medicated, for example, or seen as dysfunction and, and given them the kudos actually, which is that they are amazing, beautiful, new human generations to help us move to this new level of awareness that we're all experiencing and embracing now, which is the you know awakening of humanity to a new higher consciousness. Yeah, I always felt that um, autistic children had more antennas, like more chakras that they could tune into different frequencies with. Um, and in your book, The New Human, now I highly recommend this, you guys, it's stories, um, not stories, but interviews, direct interviews that Mary has done where she describes different interviews and she changes the names um, for their privacy. But it's it's really, you know, you can kind of feel for yourself and the children are so adorable because they don't, you know, like I said in the teaser, they're like, oh, there was a car in the sky or, oh, the ET gave me a food that made me feel more love as we were traveling or I heard with my whole body. Like they have these different ways of saying things that bring forth a lot of information and a lot of sincerity to it. And, and it's filled, this book is filled with drawings that the children have done that are just so cute. Um, what advice do you have for parents that have children that have had experiences? Um, how, how should parents deal with that? It's a good question. And it's not just parents. It's often psychologists that contact me, teachers that contact me, that are more open to more of this phenomena. And there's a lot more than you think, which surprised me. 
is how can you support them? Um, how do you know what's going on with them other than they may say, you know, they, they see energy or colors around people. They may say just something like that. Or I go with my, my special friend at night and they, he takes me to go and see the planets or something like this. I have a questionnaire for children because one of the things that the parents say to me is I don't want to plant things into my child's head. I don't, you know, I don't want to lead them on or whatever or front load them. So I, I, one of the things that I, the um, questionnaire does, it's, it's, a, a, it's like the adult version, only more simple, but it asks them about seeing colors around people, you know, and it asks them about different things about how they feel or what they may see. And many of the parents have said to me, I didn't realize my child was doing this, or I didn't realize my child was seeing things this way, because the parents often don't know the questions to ask either, to find out, because the child thinks, you know, often when they're seeing stuff and seeing spirits, they think it's normal. You know, they'll say, um, I was talking to a wonderful indigenous lady um, who said when she was a child, she'd be talking to the old ones and would go out and say, I've just been talking to the old ones, mum. And they say, what are you talking about? You know, we're talking about the old ones. And she said, you know, it, was, it literally was, you know, the spirits and what have you. And she just called them the old ones. And she was told not to talk about it anymore because it didn't fit in with the with the religious beliefs of her, 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 her parents at the time. So she was told, stop talking like that because, you know, people will think you're crazy and all the rest of it. So it's about isolating what's going on with if you think that your child is having something going on, especially if you've been having things going on, it's quite possible that they are um, because it's intergenerational. And, you know, the questionnaire is good because it just asks, you know, do you see this or have you felt this or, you know, if they talk about dreams of going somewhere to a different planet or this kind of thing. You can see, and, and parents say to me, you know, people try and say that I'm putting it in their head and what have you, and they, they're very clear that they don't. And the other thing people say is, oh, they've just got a good imagination. I said, all right, um, do you think someone would imagine at eight years old that they're saying they're a hybrid water being and they come from a water planet and that when they look in the mirror, they're seeing the water being um, and they're half water being, half part human and that they can hear music, not just music, but go to where the music comes from, from the person that's creating the music and know their feelings and emotions. Do you think an eight year old actually describes all of that normally and would come out with that normally? What do you reckon? Pretty complex, isn't it? Pretty interesting story. Do you think they get that on a cartoon and draw themselves as a part water being part human? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's going to be exciting now that the, some of the, so much of the taboos have lifted. Uh, you know, Coffee came in today and she's like, oh, my gosh, this star, you know, seed child who's looked like he was around eight has 300,000 followers on Instagram. And the mother was just sitting there asking him questions like, you know, about star seeds. And he was like, yeah, star seeds can be adults and kids, you know, like, and I mean, on and on and on and on. And we just interviewed a young boy and a quantum physicist who's 11 years old in, in Argentina. And I, I was like flabbergasted because this child was 
um, handling extremely, extremely complex information, just like that, like no big deal. And it was, and it's stunning. You know, he has, he also has 40,000 40, followers and has, you know, professors at the best universities in the world. You know what I mean? Like these children are coming out. So I want to talk about the abilities you, and, and I want everybody, um, uh, so if, if you're watching on Portal to Ascension or New Realities, we welcome you to come back into the Zoom room because we're about to open up the floor to all you guys to ask your questions to Mary. Uh, and that's lightnet.org slash unlimited, and that will get you into the Zoom room. Um, so I just have a few follow-up questions. One's about Stargates and uh, jump rooms. <laughs> and but the, But I first wanted to kind of put a little bit more context around well, the new human and their capabilities, but you are mentioning that there's different, so the indigos are warriors and healers. Um, what about the crystal and rainbow? Do you have an understanding of, of what their energy might be grouped as? Well, each one, like the crystal, crystal children, for example, they're working often through the crystal frequency and what have you, and connecting to the crystal frequency. So you'll find that those drawn to going to shops where there's crystals and collecting crystals and what have you, because they know the properties and what these crystals can do and what have you. And for those of you that are a little bit skeptical, um, I've seen some amazing, and I actually showed some really interesting video where um, there's a certain te software technology where the healer was doing a healing with a, with a crystal to one side. And this PIP technology, and I'm just trying to think of his name now, who's a scientist in England, and I, it's slipped my mind, but he actually videoed this light coming out the crystal while she was doing the healing, this bright light coming out the crystal, and then the light literally going back into the crystal again. This was just one example of, for skeptical people, do you want to actually see what's really going on that you're not seeing? And I had another um, another video of which he gave me as well to to show. So for me, I'm I'm very careful to try as much as possible to qualify anything that I'm saying to show the tangibility of it because I think it's really important to to show that. But these children automatically know about different minerals, and one of them was a six year old I remember who was holding a meteorite. And he was explaining that what the meteorite was telling him about where it landed and where it came from. And his mother said, how do you know this? And, how, you know, how do you um, know what the meteorite saying? He said, because it's all in my head. He's talking to me in my head. So this is really um, allowing us to expand our, the, you know, our understanding of what is possible. And I think this is where at the moment those kind of barriers are being broken down pretty rapidly to show us how much, how limited we are in what we think reality is. Yeah, you know, we, I had this similar experience. We had Ashley Lee doing our telepathy class for children and their parents. <laughs> and she was like, okay, today we're going to tune into the couch. And I was like, we are? And she's like, yeah. So everyone tuned into the couch and she was like, I want you to get an origin date here. And you would not believe everyone in the class gave two exact dates. We all wrote it in the chat at the same time. And one was the time that the guy had bought the couch and one was the date that it was made. Like it was, and I was like, oh, okay. So, so you really can channel, like, and we channel, 
Lightnet and what Lightnet wants, you know, <laughs> channel. So, so objects do, they have information that you can listen to, which is so interesting. And of course we know that, that the crystals are part of ships and other things because they're, they're just like a normal computer. They can hold a lot of information. So, um, um, what about, so before we go into a little break and, and bring people in for questions, um, I'm very fascinated by, we're doing a lot of um, teleporting and, and kind of experiments with objects and things like that. And I'm interested in what you can share about jump rooms and teleportation. Well, we know that it's possible with some of, some of the children, but what we also know is that the military and black projects also know about this and have artificial jump rooms and, and uh, uh, portals, if you like. But we can actually be portals ourselves. And the interesting thing was when I was talking, I think it was one seven-year-old was explaining how he goes to other planets through a portal, but he uses the runes. And he said, as long as I know the mathematical number, of a particular planet, which is the frequency, of course. He said, I can use the runes to go from one dimension into the other dimension to actually access that particular planet. So we can actually do it for ourselves. And many people have portals. They'll say, I've got a portal in my bedroom because I have these beings coming out and what have you as well. So if you're very active, ast astrally traveling and what have you, or you're connected to these beings, often they're using a kind of portal to actually access you and bring you to them on the craft. And wow, that's super fascinating. So uh, I, I want to just take a minute right now, you know, we're starting 2024. And I just want to take a minute to honor you, Mary, for your life's work. Uh, it hasn't, you know, you've, you've been part of the ice breaking force that has allowed so many of us to ask and research these questions. And um, I just wanna take a moment in silence to honor your life and your life's work um, because it's been prolific to say the least. <laughs> My room was creeping as I also invited the star nations also to, to show their love for you tonight. So thank you so much. Uh, I wanna share my screen um, and I will be dropping links into the um, chat as well. So we've got, Mary's got a couple things happening. Uh, whoopsie, um, she's got on Portal to Ascension, and thank you, Neil, for sponsoring uh, LightNet and, and co-broadcasting co with us. Um, so she's got, a, if you just go to Portal to Ascension upcoming event, she's got past life contact with non-human intelligences. That's Saturday from four to six on the 20th. Uh, and then she's also got the Ultimate Star Beings Conference coming up um, with quite a cast of people on uh, this Friday. That would be tomorrow all the way until Monday. So um, you can check that out on Portal to Ascension. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about your workshop and these scripts and languages that are, that are used to make contact. And 
in our mastermind workshops, as many of you know, we take you through a physical concrete workshop experience so that all of you can feel, you know, the goosebumps or um, the heart palpitations or have, take something with you when you leave. And this is January 25th. Uh, in order to join this workshop, you're going to want to join LightNet. Um, we are going to be, our uh, membership is going up to $144 very soon. Uh, so yearly it's 88 here. So you can jump into that now. It's lightnet.org slash join. Uh, we also have uh, some incredible events happening uh, this month that I want to highlight um, before we go into um, question and answer. I also want to sh shout out to Michelle Freed, who is um, a publicist here at LightNet now. Thank you so much for your love and support and incredible professional expertise. Um, we're going to be doing interviews. Um, we've got one coming up on typical skeptic. Um, we've got our spoon bending party, member spoon bending party on January 19th. Um, a connection call. So for those of you who are watching that want to come and meet other star seeds in small groups of three, um, that's also on January 20th. Our beloved Leo is going to be doing an astrology forecast, and he's going to break down the entire year of 2024, what to look for, um, and all sorts of things about the election, about all sorts of things that you, is going to be great for you guys to set the tone um, with, and you can check that out on the calendar. Um, we'll be doing an interview on soul wanderings too. Uh, and then, of course, on January 25th, we'll be with Mary for this workshop, uh, and we'll have breakthrough coaching with Captain Adham. He's going to be doing an incredible season on uh, really getting your goals set for this year. Uh, and then we're also working with Susan to do a year of workshops that go with her healing. And the first one we're going to do in January is going to be about food frequency, how to tune in what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, um, and how to really feel into that. Um, you can get an individual workshop. Uh, this is outside the membership, or you can get um, the whole year for a discount. So thanks so much to Coffee for all her hard work getting the calendar up, up this, this month. So, um, so I'd like to go ahead and open it up. We do have a question. So I'll be pulling you guys up um, into the broadcast to um, answer your questions. So you can write, raise your hand. Susan did that. The way to raise your hand is go down to reactions and you can raise your hand there. Um, Susan had a question though in the chat. Is it possible to have access to your questionnaire? Is it in your book? Um, I also shared your Facebook. Wasn't sure the best way for people to reach you and also find that, that uh, children's questionnaire. Yeah, the, the children's one, um, they can get from me directly if they so desire. A lot of the questions are in the new human that I ask the children as well. So you can get it there. Um, and also, if as I say, if you email me, I can I can send you both the adult or the children's one. OK, great, Mary. Um, so, uh, Susan, I'm going to bring you down here. So go ahead. Wow. Thank you so much, Mary. Wow. <laughs> I'm just so blown away by you and um, how you've opened doors for people. I, I had, as I mentioned, a near-death experience, and I remember every detail of it, of crossing over and meeting my grandmother. I didn't know it was her until 
I was 15 and meeting the next person was Jesus himself and real Jesus and a number of other wonderful entities until I was sent back. I was in a coma for two weeks on life support. And um, since then, um, not knowing that that's what happened to me because nobody told me about it, um, I went through life um, not understanding why people didn't understand and knew what I knew. And um, I saw things and I couldn't understand why people didn't love one another Mm. and be loving and kind to one another. And it was also the other element that was in this where I have my question for you is about music. Because one of the great things that I remember and recall of it, number one was the colors were multitudinous, like beyond what you can imagine here. The sense of love and oneness was so profound. And the other thing was the music. The music was something out of this world. And and in my experience coming back, I met a conductor who was a spiritual, my spiritual guide, who was also um, a musician and, and had a choral group called the Starscape Singers. And their music was that music that I heard on the other side was the music of the spheres. So um, I think my question to you is about that um, concept of healing through music and sound. And is what have you learned from the children in that regard, in regards to music? But I think that's really powerful. I think, Susan, you, you said it all in terms of understanding vibration and frequency and that the Nikola Tesla talked about this is actually the, the, going to be the new way of healing. This is going to be the new way that we will actually become whole is through the frequency. The interesting thing that I noticed, too, with a lot of the children is they're synesthetic. And, and by that, for those that don't understand synesthesia, is that it's not just if it's music, it isn't. They're not just hearing something. They're feeling it. They may get colors with it they will get um, literally a package of understanding, just like that little lass who, of eight who said that she was a hybrid and that she doesn't just hear the music, she follows the frequency to where it comes from and is able to even understand the connection to the person who has created the music. So it, it's going right to source, in other words. And there's no question in mind, sound and color uh, all of these vibrations and frequencies are actually really, I mean, we're a, a frequency being <laughs> after all, aren't we? you know, um, and one of the lovely things that I've always, you know, remind people of was when you had Masaru Emoto showing how different frequencies like prayer and, and different uh, forms of vibration change the molecular structure of water. We're 70% water. So if even if we're not looking at the DNA that's being altered and changed, which we know the Russian scientists talked about, the fact that using the right human language actually changes the nature of DNA, that it mm-hmm. actually re- re- reconfigures it um, as long as it's the right language. Well, we know affirmations work. What's that? The right language telling us to think and, and speak a certain way we're creating a frequency which if it's positive is realigning our dna it's all there the science is showing us that so for me that's what's so exciting once you understand that and epigenetics is telling us even more of that i remember talking about a, a gentleman who was talking to his um 
oh, what is it? The, the, the cactus he had. This is in the 30s. He was talking to his cactus and saying, you don't need to have prickles because I'm not going to hurt you. And he ended up growing cactus without prickles. Now, so it's not just this, it's this, it's this, it's all tied together. So music, of course, of course, it's all healing. And there are many people bringing the frequencies in that are having contact that are being helped to bring in the right frequencies for various kinds of healing and what have you. And we know that each organ has a different frequency. So, you know, we've got the didgeridoo that has a certain wonderful tone for healing. We've got the harp, we've got the gong, we've got all these different ways. It's coming out, you know, that that is the new way of healing. So that's what's so exciting. And of course, the singing um, coming through not only the musical instruments, but the singing. Look at all the children that are, are doing doing amazingly well on these, these special shows, you know, where they're actually showing, you know, the, these new... 10 year olds, 11 year olds coming out with this amazing um, uh, voices that should be in 30 year olds. And they're coming out in 10 year olds. The star kids are bringing it in. And people don't realize, they say, oh, I'm getting very goosey. Or well, of course you are, because it's affecting your DNA. It's affecting you because they're the frequencies coming from the star children and whatever. It's everywhere. Once you start looking, you can see it. That's long-winded. Uh, a bit long-winded to say that, Susan, but it's... No, it's no, it wasn't long-winded at all. No, I appreciate every word you've said because that's it, it's all connected. And you mentioned about Missouri Emoto. I met the, well, the man who, one of my board directors, Lauren Zanier, was his teacher. And he's the one who discovered all of this about the crystals. And he said, Dr. Miss, Missouri Moto was a, he was a, a real estate agent who really didn't understand science, but he really promoted his work <laughs> very well. But he said, yeah. there's much, much more to that, much, mm. much more. And I've used that in peace school with, with experiments and planting bean seeds to see how this works and having, having a glass, uh, a bottle with water that says love on it. And another one that says hate or, or nasty or some negative word. And I let the, the children choose what they want to do. It's always, if they direct what they're going to do, I just give them the tools, like the smorgasbord, I put it out in front of them, and then they pick and choose according to where they resonate with it and go from there. And in every single case of these bean seeds and planting them, because they would um, every day, it's, it's about the intention. It's mm -hmm. more about the intention and because we are the energy we are all energy and it's putting the intention into the water and in every single case with these experiments the bean seed that had the very positive frequency like peace or love or harmony put on it they grew like crazy and the other ones would would grow like shriveled but they'd be like dwarfed of that and the one, there was one child in this one classroom who put hate on it. He was the only one that put hate on it. It didn't even come out of the ground. Wow. So it's very graphic when, when you can see that and experiment and explore those ideas and concepts. And what you're, the work you're doing is just phenomenal. I, I just have to say thank you so, so much for being right out there. And um I, I just think people need to know that love is the highest frequency and that no darkness can touch love. Mm -hmm. So we, in, we radiate the love that we are in essence, 
nothing can get in to disrupt it. Nothing. And this is how we can heal the earth. Yes. Thank you, Susan. And thank you for all you're doing with your Peace School. You know, it's interesting that you talked about children and frequency, because when we did this interview with Hanu, I'm going to share the quantum physicist child. I'm going to share the link here in the chat. He, you know, I wanted to talk about quantum physics and he wanted to talk about music. And he talked about, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. He was like, oh yeah, my dream, if I could do anything would be to build a periodic table of musical instruments. Because he's like, it's all about the harmonics and what those do. And then he wanted to tell me how many different kinds of like oboes there were. There were 23 and this and that. Like, I mean, so he he really saw music as just as important as our understanding of quantum physics for our future and was in in it is it's just fascinating um the work that bruce lipton has done on epigenetics and i thought that was all horse walk you know like what are you called? i was like dude our dna does not change this is like a metaphor that like you know the woo-woo people use but it's actually true like it's been measured our dna does change um through healings and different things so it's absolutely fascinating yes (laughs) ears is is something that's very powerful and the choral group that i worked with were the starscape singers look them up on 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 um, youtube and look up the fire mass by the starscape singers and that that music has been very very healing and actually healed me from four stage colon cancer Wow. Wow. Do you want to put the link in the chat? Mary, also what you mentioned that people could email you to get in touch with you to do sessions or also do the, um, the questionnaire. Do you want me to share your email here in the chat? Yes. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. So, um, I would like to talk while we're waiting for any other hands to go up. I'd like to talk about your workshop and what you're going to be teaching and these scripts that you're talking about and languages and how they pertain to making contact. What has been so significant is when you get even those that believe in, you know, the fact that we're being visited and what have you, many of them are still in the, the space of how can you prove it? How, you know, we, no one's got a piece of the craft or, you know, um, one of the beings is standing there or whatever. Um, and very much of the the old way of looking at proving that this is a reality. The way to prove a reality is through the experiences of the person that's had the experience, because that changes people. You, can't, you don't suddenly start manifesting, for example, um, drawing beings that you've seen, writing down information that you had no understanding of prior to that, whether it's scientific, metaphysical, um, planetary or whatever. You don't start bringing in what I call the the strange writing scripts, symbols, for example, just out of the blue for the the sake of doing it. You you don't um, suddenly find that you have got these abilities that you didn't have before, for example, becoming a lot more Um, clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, for example, all these abilities that may manifest or expand in you, or you find you just know things. If you want to know a reality, then the reality is how somebody changes from those experiences. 
And all of these things are very much part of what happens after contact. Um, people change their diet. They may change where they want to live. They may even choose a completely different um, life path in terms of philosophy. They may um, want to live a more holistic life. They are become less materialistic. They change on multiple levels of their awareness. That is the evidence that something's happened. You don't suddenly do that other than the fact that something profound has happened. So if somebody wants the evidence, there is the evidence. And when I first saw some of the drawings and artwork and uh, music, um, star languages, the, the light languages and, and the symbols and whatever, to me, that is proof that something very profound has happened to someone. And this is, to me, the, the evidence of contact before anything else. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, we're, we're very much about that at LightNet is, is having that physical experience because it's almost like your body can remember that and go back to that. And it takes all, it removes all the doubt that you had. You know, I, I used to be pretty doubtful of all this stuff. I'm very left brain. But then when I feel it in my body, I can't, I can't deny those things. I can't deny that. It's, I can't deny the lights are going off and on. I can't deny that the radios, you know, it's like you, you start and then you can step into it more deeply. And it's really exciting to be on the cutting edge of this new experience that wants to come through. So I want to thank everyone who's on the call tonight for, for being a pioneer, you know, I now and don't fear mentioning ETs or UFOs now in any context. So it's really refreshing. Business meetings, parents, you know, like people in the airport, you know, it's just like, okay. And it really, you know, it's just like, it's, it's all coming together now. So it's exciting. So Mary, um, for the closing question, if, if no one else has questions, um, how do you want the next couple of years to unfold? for contact how do you what would be the best case scenario what can we do to support that well we have a very limited disclosure at the moment that's very much orchestrated by governments to um, control the narrative i believe real disclosure is going to come from the ground up it's going to be everyday people right across the board cross countries belief systems they're going to say you know what i don't care whether you believe me or not but this is my experience this is what's going on for me and that is the way we're going to get true disclosure, because if enough people say that, then even more are going to say, you know what, if you can say it, I can say it too. And it's going to have this wonderful knock on effect, I think. And what I'm hearing is more and more right across the board, no matter what their belief system is, no matter what country they come from, are saying, this is my experience. This is who I know I am. And we we're going to get the real truth come out then. And the governments won't have any choice then because it will come out. And then will come out, hopefully, all the technologies and all the free energy and the healing technologies and all the things that have been hidden from the public for the last 70 or 80 years so that we can really manifest a new world, a world that we all have wanted and needed. And it's time. It's time to change the system here and give our, you know, my, I want my grandchildren to have a future and I want their grandchildren to have a future. And this is the time. I mean, we've we've come here to be part of this. This is the thing, even though it's getting pretty snarly out there at the moment. And I am wondering whether or not I would rather climb on a spaceship and go to Pluto. But um, in the meantime, 
um, I'll, I'll hang around a bit longer. I'll give them a bit longer to get their act together, whoever it is that needs to get the act together. But seriously, it's everyone like yourself that's saying, this is my truth, this is my reality, is changing the paradigm. Everyone that has the confidence and the trust in themselves and the belief in their true knowing is changing the paradigm. And this is how it will happen. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Thank you for your grounded research. Thanks for, for interviewing 4,000 people and hundreds of children. Thanks for giving them that reassurance uh, that, um, that they're okay that, um, and that they can continue to deepen their contact experiences and share their knowledge with the world. Uh, speaking of that, um, Adam has just added to the chat, chat and I've added it to all the YouTubes the um, young boy who is with his mom, who's a medium, who the Jano speaks in Spanish and this is in English, but you, you'll enjoy the YouTube, um, I mean, the Instagram reels that he has because he's just channeling all this incredible information. It's such a gift. So thank you so much, Mary. We look forward to seeing you on the 25th for our experiential mastermind workshop with Mary. And uh, thanks again for everything you're doing in the world. Um, good luck on the conference this Friday through Monday with Portal to Ascension. We'll, we will see you there.